Romans chapter 13. Again, as I read, remember that uh, <clears throat> the few Bibles and all that are ESVs, and I normally have that, but this is a, uh, the Holman translation, but uh, sometimes it's good to read other translations, it can be helpful. <clears throat> Beginning in verse 1, everyone must submit to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist are instituted by God. So then, the one who resists the authority is opposing God's command. And those who oppose it will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good, and you will have its approval. For government is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, because it does not carry the sword for no reason. For government is God's servant, an avenger that brings wrath on the one who does wrong. Therefore, you must submit, not only because of wrath, but also because of your conscience. And for this reason, you pay taxes, since the authorities are God's public servants, continually attending to these tasks. Pay your obligations to everyone, taxes to those you owe taxes, tolls to those you owe tolls, respect to those you owe respect, and honor to those you owe honor. And thus we read, an enormously controversial passage of scripture because we don't like what it says, especially right now. I know I don't. Uh, so we will start to work our way through this because just reading through this brings out a lot of questions, um, a lot of uh, questions that deal with, you know, the, the what if, what if this, what if that, how do we work through those things? So number one, looking at verse one, we are given an overall statement. Everyone, which includes, which, you know, he's writing to believers, but the idea is everyone must submit to the governing authority. So that would be, for this passage, this context, that's our base, is there's authority, so we, mu we need to submit. Um, and we will, I'm not going to deal with every single imaginable what if, but we're going to deal with a couple of them, uh, just to kind of try to help us understand how to think through things um, because there's been a couple of wrenches thrown into all of this just because of all the various restrictions with COVID and some of the ways that our government has handled some things. What some people have done in their approach to this is they will read this and they'll say that the moment a government, which would be any government, we normally think in the context of only our government, and that's okay, it'll be normal because this is where we live, uh, we also want to keep in mind a broader perspective that regardless of where you live, this, you know, people who live in China who are believers read this as well. Um, and so they, you know, they would have probably questions very different uh, than ours because of what they're facing. Uh, but the idea is, is that uh, the way some people, and I say get around this, I don't know if they're always trying to get around this. You know, there are some, I'm sure, that really want to honor the Lord with what they do. Uh, and how they understand this, but they'll, they will make a statement such as God has laid out what a government should do in this passage, so the moment that government goes beyond what's listed here, 
it is violating uh, the parameters that God has given, so therefore we don't have to do anything they say. Now, I, I don't think that's correct, but that is what some do. They just like blanket statement, uh, and so therefore they can just be in, uh, uh, in rebellion to whatever they don't like uh, and go from there. There are some legitimate issues uh, that a Christian has to deal with, though, when it comes to submitting. The easy ones through the years uh, have always been where someone will ask the question, what if your government asks you to do something that violates scripture? And the easy answer is, well, then you disobey. I mean, you know, I mean, I, now, our government up until recently hasn't really asked us to do that. You know, our government doesn't tell us to commit murders, you know, all that kind of stuff. Uh, the big issues came, for example, when the government began to say for the health uh, of the uh, society as a whole, you couldn't go to church. That's when the controversies began and people were all over the place. Um, it did kind of in the end uh, square down the two main um, thoughts. One is, does it matter? Uh, we need to obey the government. So if the government says you can't go to church, you can't go to church, that's it. Others said, well, I don't think so. I disagree with the why. And I do think that that makes a difference. But, they, but they disagree with the why. Uh, our government was, was mandating or stating or whatever term you want to use that churches could not meet or severely restrict them. And the idea is, is that we are commanded by God to meet. And then, of course, you have all the other questions in this situation that came along with that. You know, what about, you know, the health, safety, that type of thing? Um, and that really opened up Pandora's box in trying to uh, work through this. And, of course, there's no easy answer to these things. Generally speaking, when it comes to health issues, I think through the years, it's normally handled this way because there's been viruses around for a long time. So it's normally handled this way. Those who are at risk stay home, right? You have health issues underlying, you know, what they call comorbidities, comorbid uh, which is a term they start throwing around. So if you are one of those individuals, you would stay home. There are people who've done that for years. They're older, they have other issues. Every flu season, um, they stay home. Uh, sometimes we're not aware of all of that just because it's not really covered on the news, you know, but thousands die every year from just the flu. Uh, and there's been some years when it's been tens of thousands have died because of the flu. Uh, if the news had covered it like they covered this, there might be a little more, I don't want to say panic, maybe there would be, I don't know. Uh, but that's kind of the way that it goes. Uh, in line with that, when it comes to the other issue, you know, for example, um, I heard uh, on the news uh, past couple of days, um, it's interesting which countries are involved in this, Austria and Germany, which in their history, I guess they've had a few struggles with authoritarianism. Uh, however, uh, they are contemplating passing uh, a law which will, uh, the government will lay out heavy fines on people who don't get vaccinated. And then what's being proposed is if that doesn't work, they are going to force it, which I guess that means they throw you on the ground and they pin you down and they give you the vaccine. Like that's never happened in Austria and Germany before. But anyway, um, 
And they're not the only countries, I think, that are thinking that. But, you know, there's that kind of thing going on. Um, I have listened to a couple of individuals who are in the field of medical ethics, and I've read a couple of papers. I should say skimmed. I didn't really read them because there's some things I don't understand because of the medical terminology. But when it comes to... Um, mandating or forcing vaccines on people basically you may have heard that idea of informed consent so the idea has been in years is that um, you don't force medicine on people there may be an exception that many agree uh, is possible the exception is that a person is sick and contagious and that individual who refuses to get treatment may be forced to be treated but the idea of people who aren't sick being mandated to take a vaccine, that's, that's up until recently, that's unheard of. Everybody would have said that that was wrong uh, and a violation. So we're kind of, you know, so there are Christians who are looking at that. Um, and then, of course, what complicates it a little bit, um, there is information about how vaccines are made, uh, how vaccines are researched. And in that whole arena, uh, I know in the past, uh, I'm not sure what the proper terminology is, but I'll just say tissue, et cetera, from aborted babies was used in the development of uh, vaccines. Uh, I've heard two things, and I don't know which is, which is true, and they both may be true. I've heard that uh, some say that it's a continuing practice to use tissue from aborted babies for vaccines. Others that I've read have said that the first vaccines that were developed way back in the 60s when they used uh, the fetus of either a stillborn or an aborted baby, that they've just basically cloned that. And they're, not, they're no longer taking actively taking from aborted. And for some people, it makes a difference. For some, it doesn't. Um, so there's all those things. Because you know, so the, there's individuals trying to, who are interested or who have tried to get medical, I mean, a religious exemptions to get in those things. And all that has to do with the government. The government's telling us to do certain things. And, um, you know, there's those who, who are, uh, are against that. Then the other thing, and this, this is what would make us different here, for example, compared to China, and that is we live in a, we live in a country where there's a system, our government system allows for uh, dissent. There's different ways, you know, you can, you can take uh, a, anyone to court, you can take a ruling to court, you can take a mandate to court, and it's already been done. Uh, a couple of judges have already basically said that the federal government cannot mandate vaccines. So OSHA stopped for now until it's finally decided. Uh, and I think um, there was a ruling a couple of days ago from some judge, Missouri maybe, uh, who said that uh, medical workers cannot be forced to be vaccinated. So there's all those things that are going on. Uh, but again, our country allows for that. So that's not necessarily rebellion in a sense, because there's a way that's legal. It's legal to do that. Um, so there's, there's all those things going on. Uh, those things maybe the ability to be able to do those types of things legally may go away one day, and we'll have to think through all these things. Uh, there may be a day coming when there may, there may not be a choice and you will be one of those who will be forced on the ground to take a thing. You know, so what do we do as believers? Um, this is uh, 
And so it, it can be hard. It can be very difficult. Um, it's not easy, especially if you, if you really are, if you really want to do what is right in following the Lord, and at the same time, you love your freedom. Loving your freedom is not a sin. Um, there may be times we're either going to lose or maybe even have to give up our freedoms. Uh, I'm not going to excite you any specific examples of how, how that might be, but that's just some things we have to, we have to, uh, to think about, again, as Christians. Because, again, our first loyalty has to be to God and his word. It's always that. Um, th- and also, one more thing. You can probably hear me say that a lot. One more thing. One more thing. But <laughs> one more thing is, then there'll be times when, as Christians, we're going to disagree with each other how these things should be handled. Okay? That, and that's, I mean, that's already happening. And that's a, that's a big issue now. To me, that's an easy one to solve. Okay? The bottom line is, is that these are the issues that are dealing with the fundamentals of the faith. We need to be tolerant of each other. So if I'm having a discussion with John, and, and not only is he on the opposite side of me, but he is just dead wrong. Um, and then he refuses to hear a word I say. Uh, he's my brother. I must love him. Uh, and loving him does not mean that I accept his position. And him loving me doesn't mean he accepts mine. I accept him for who he is and his thinking, and I'm still convinced he's wrong, but that should not, and I must be determined that it will not interfere with our relationship, period. Uh, And that's where today, I think most believers have to get that one settled. That that is maybe the most important one, is that. (coughs) Maybe even more so because we do live in a time when Disagreeing with each other uh, is, and still accepting each other is, is not practiced overall in our society. You know, people are demonized because they have a different view, uh, and there's a lot of those things going on. We, we as Christians need to uh, show how the love of Christ overcomes that, and that we can absolutely disagree and get along without being fake uh, as Christians. And uh, I I just think that we need to keep that in the forefront of our mind because our witness for the Lord is tied into how we treat each other. You know, Jesus says that in Matthew and it says that in other places. And so we've got to make sure that that is a, a, a thing. So if you recognize, at least in your life, that you have a hard time remaining calm when it comes to this, then you need to refrain, maybe from public discussion for a while, uh, and as you and pray the Lord to help you to mature through that, because that's really important. Um, you don't have a right, right? So if I disagree with John or I disagree with Steve, whatever, I don't have a right to hold that against them. That, that's sin for me to do that uh, over those issues. We can never separate over those issues. We can we can choose to not talk about those things. Absolutely. Um, and just ignore them, no matter how important they may seem. Uh, you know, there's a passage of the Bible that talks about not getting basically entangled in the affairs of the world because this is not our home. Uh, now, some have used that to say you should never run for public office. I, that, I don't think that that applies that way. But at the same time, there is, it still says what it says. And so this idea of becoming so entangled that that type of thing goes on, that that would be sinful. 
and we're disobeying God in that area. Um, so it's just one that we need to to uh, to make sure. And and people on when I say both sides, I know that there may be three or four sides at times. But but the idea is, it doesn't matter where an individual is, whether it's a what we call a conservative side or a liberal side. This doesn't matter. We can't do that. All right? We need to honor the Lord, um, and so that needs to be a, a priority. Uh, if you want to do more research on all those things, you're fine to do that. And if you want to pour your life into reading things about all, you know, about the vaccines and the virus, that's fine. You have a right to do all that. And you want to try to convince other people? Absolutely. All right, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, at the same time, make sure also as a believer that not only that it doesn't affect or that we don't allow it to affect the relationship we have with others, we want to make sure that that doesn't also then become such a important matter to us that we begin to um, leave important things undone. Our reading of scripture, time with the Lord, uh, worshiping with, with other believers, you know, that kind of thing. Um, so if you're spending 40 hours a, a week on these issues and two hours a week when it comes to the word and what God says, there's, it, it's, it's off somewhere. I'm not saying it's got to be 50-50, but when you have an imbalance that way, we have, we've, we're, something is wrong somewhere uh, uh, in our priorities when it comes to that. So there's a lot of things for us to consider in that, in one sense. Um, and at the same time, if you end up, if you are a person who just doesn't care about those things, um, be careful when you say that. <laughs> but good, to, good for you. It's okay. Um, just again, don't think less of others because, uh, because it's important. And then of course we know we live in a day and age when there's, you know, there's lots of deceit, you know, there's a lot of things going on. Uh, and so it makes it hard. Um, it makes it difficult. Uh, so again, back to the text. So everyone must submit to the governing authorities. It says for there's no authority except from God. And those that exist are instituted by God. So that's those two phrases there in verse, at the end of verse 1 are important. Because of what it doesn't say. It doesn't say, for there is no proper or good authority except from God. He just says, there is no authority except from God. So all government, secular or religious, is established by God. It doesn't mean that those governments cannot sin and do wrong or be immoral. They can but government is, is God's, his idea, but it's what God also uses to restrain evil. Now, that doesn't mean governments won't fail at doing that. They will fail at doing that. And some of them become so corrupt, they're the cause of evil. But basically, the general statement here is that government exists by the will of God. God has instituted that, whatever country you're in, that, that government is there no matter how corrupt. That doesn't mean God's approving of the corruptness. doesn't mean that either. Uh, you know, when Jesus was, was walking on the earth, Rome was the authority. Rome had subjugated the Jewish people. Uh, Rome treated the Jewish people unfairly, like they did everyone else they subjugated. Um, Jesus could have said a lot of things, but he didn't do that. He wasn't condoning what they were doing. He just didn't comment on that. That just wasn't why he was here, and that's not what it's about. So those who try to, I think, force into this text that this text only, only applies to the Christian in the sense that the government 
is functioning the way that it's supposed to, and only those governments are established by God, they're, they're adding to the text. That's not in there. Um, so again, those, for example, who are in communist China or in other places, uh, those governments exist by the will of God. Also keep in mind that when it comes to the whole scheme of things, there's more going on than just how your government treats you. You know, there's the history of the world. You know, everything I believe is moving in a direction according to the will and plan of God. What we do know, regardless of what your view is on prophecy, what we do know is the earth and the way it is now is not the final thing. We know that there's going to be a, there's a thing called the end of time that's going to happen here. There's going to be a judgment that's going to happen. And then after this judgment is, in however you view it, there's an eternal order. We live in the new heaven, new earth, new Jerusalem. Sin will be completely eradicated. That is our home. And that is where all of history is going towards. So no matter how evil or good any government is, no human government is the answer. And no human government ever will be the answer. Uh, there are those who believe that we can vote our way out of problems. That just, practically speaking, it's, it's, it's not happened. It's not happening now. It's not going to happen. Many have thought, uh, just an example with it, when it comes to uh, Roe versus Wade, with the abortion thing, that if we get certain justices in, guarantee we're going to overturn. Well, it hasn't happened yet. And I know people are hoping that it's going to happen now, but I don't think it will. Uh, because some of the, la the last three supposedly conservative judges uh, that are serving on the Supreme Court haven't exactly been conservative in their views. And there's not, there's been, not been a consistency. Don't know why others can speculate about that, but, you know, I just... It's just not going to happen that way. Uh, the, the perfect, there is no perfect government except when Christ comes to rule as king. And that's it. And so that's what we need to keep in mind. So again, those things, those things should help to form our perspective uh, when it comes to this. And maybe how riled up we, we may get about certain things. So again, you can be passionate about government. You can be passionate about our country. Absolutely. There's nothing wrong with that. But the paradigm... Uh, that we use in assessing our views, what we should do, all those things uh, needs to be done through the whole scheme of Scripture. You know, not just certain passages that we think deal with whatever the issue is, because there's, it's, it, you have to take a step back. And for me, that's, a, that's one of the main ones, is this here, the here and now, this is not, this is not the final form of how things are going to be ever. Uh, if it is, then, then it's just going to be a living hell for everyone. Uh, it's, going be, it's going to be just much better. Sin will be eradicated. Uh, and that will be great news. So again, verse 1, everyone must submit to the government authorities. There's no authority except from God. And those that exist are instituted by God. So then, again, this is speaking generally, the one who resists authority is opposing God's command. So we're going to go uh, through this with, with this, this assumption behind us. The assumption is, is that anything the government demands of us that clearly goes against or violates Scripture, then we would, we would not obey what the government says. Primarily, in, uh, in a vast majority of all things our government commands, there's no command for us to violate Scripture. Even when it comes to abortion, our government allows abortion. It never, it's not commanding abortion. 
So we believe abortion is wrong, it's immoral, and it's murder, and you can go through all those things, and, that's, and I agree with that. And we want to do all we can to try to get overturned. I'm in favor of that. But our government is not commanding that to happen. Uh, so we need to submit to what the government says. And a lot of times there'll be things we don't like, uh, but it's a secular government, and that's the way that it's going to be. Uh, I, there are different views when it comes, just I'll do this briefly, there's different views as to uh, dealing with an issue that's called a, uh, the cultural mandate. That's the idea that uh, within the realm of Christianity, we are given a mandate from God to change culture. Um, I, I don't hold to that. I don't believe that we are. I do believe culture changes as people change, the more believers you have. I do think that it's okay and even a good thing for Christians to engage in trying to change culture. It's a good thing. But the idea of a cultural mandate, because what's tied into some of that, because there's all kinds of branches, okay? So I, I, I'm not trying to pigeonhole somebody where maybe they, they would disagree with being in that little hole. But this idea that there, there's, there is a, a, a view of prophecy by some it goes by different names. Uh, some have called it kingdom theology. Uh, some call it reconstructionism. But there's this idea that we will build the kingdom. And, I, I, and I, for lack of a better way to put it, when it comes to a certain point, it's almost like we're, we then invite Jesus to come and kind of, I guess, do the rest. It's way oversimplified. But that's kind of the idea, that we are given the responsibility to change the culture. And I don't think we're given that. Uh, we, uh, as, it, when you look at the history of how uh, countries or cultures have changed because of Christianity, uh, it seems it's always a byproduct uh, of the work of God, the influence of the scripture, the influence of believers. Uh, you know, if, if all of a sudden there was a great revival, let's say that there was a, what we would call a, a literal spiritual revival in our country and 80% of all of our politicians became true believers in Jesus Christ which I would call for us to have a 30-day party if that happened but if that was to truly happen then there would be immediate effects on our culture it's because they would think differently their approach to everything would be different you know a, a believer is one who submits to the Word of God that changes everything morally right there. You know, they, they are, they're going to adopt the moral standards of the scripture, and that's how they're going to vote and think. All those things are going to happen. So um, uh, there's going to be a natural consequence of that, and, and the country may, would change dramatically. Uh, but even if that took place, that's not a requirement for the Lord to return. That's not, I don't think that's in, in there. Um, so if it happens, great. Um, but... Uh, I just don't think that um, the idea that the way that it's used, the cultural mandate, the way that it's used is to make people feel guilty if they're not involved heavily in trying to change the culture um, in whatever arena they have. So again, I'm not against Christian influence. I'm all for it. Uh, I think we should try that. Uh, we, we, should, we should be about doing that. 
Uh, I don't think that becomes our primary thing. The primary thing is to live in light of the gospel and to share the gospel of Christ. Uh, because we already know again that the Lord's going to return. Th nothing's going to stop that from happening. There is no good thing that's going to take place where the Lord's going to suddenly say, you know what? I never thought the world would change this much. I don't think I need to, I don't think I need to return. I, that's, just, that's not going to happen. Uh, you know, sin is powerful and it's pervasive. Uh, and uh, again, the prophecies um, aren't contingent upon the world getting better and then it won't come. It's based on the idea, when you read, read through them, that the world's going to become evil. It's already evil, and it's going to be, it's going to be more, that, more of that. Um, because the world hates Christ. And therefore, that's why Jesus said, don't be surprised when the world hates you. They hate me first. Uh, and I think, my, my point of view, you see what's happening in our culture as we become more and more secular. I believe that man, and even though some men may be unaware of it, uh, but man is rebelling against God in a lot of ways. And I do think that part of what's going on with the whole COVID thing, some people, but part of it is the idea man can overcome anything, meaning man apart from God, man apart from the idea of God. We can conquer, we can overcome. And... Uh, Whenever that, whenever that kind of mindset takes place, normally what happens is people are not viewed as individuals created in the image of God and they all have value and dignity. Yeah, people in mass are treated like animals. Uh, that doesn't mean that they come around and they beat you, but the value of human life diminishes. And I, and I think that we see that a great deal um, in a lot of ways. All right. <laughs> verse, uh, um, verse 2 again, So then, the one who resists authority is opposing God's command. Those who oppose it will bring judgment on themselves. Uh, so again, you violate the law, you bring judgment on yourself. Um, if, you, if you do so, if you violate the government standards, uh, in, and you are also disobeying God because it's not a standard that <laughs> violates the scripture, uh, then you're, if you get arrested and you get punished, you deserve that. Uh, at the same time, if I choose to uh, violate the command of or, or an edict from our government because I believe that it's wrong or not biblical, uh, uh, I think I need to be willing to accept what may happen to me. If I get arrested, then I get arrested. And that, that's good, you know, and I fully expect that to take place one day. I may, it may not happen to me personally, uh, but we know that there's been a few cases in Canada. For example, um, just, it's not really in the news much anymore, but the idea of hate speech, you know, that's going to be used a lot uh, because it, it's kind of a, um, uh, they, they can use it and stretch it in ways they want. So for example, um, if you speak against homosexuality, that's considered hate speech. There, and a pastor in Canada was already arrested for that once. He spent a couple of days in jail. But then there was another case where a pastor read from Romans. He didn't even comment. He just read from Romans. And it talked about homosexuals not being in the kingdom. And he was arrested. Uh, and he went to jail. I think, if I remember correctly, he was in jail for about three days. So I expect that kind of thing uh, to happen. So if that happens, you know, so if, if I'm, so right now I'm preaching through 2 Corinthians. 
So if all of a sudden our government put us an edict that you can no longer say those kinds of things, next Sunday I'm not going to suddenly change my, my 2 Corinthians plan and now go to Romans, and I'm not going to do that. However, if it happen, whenever it comes up in the book I'm going through, I'm not going to skip it either. We're, we're going to go through it, and if I get arrested, then I get arrested. So I'm not trying to provoke the government, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to back down. Um, uh, some, huh? Yeah, <laughs> I'm not worried about being bailed out. <laughs> there may not be any bail. <laughs> Sorry, I've been to this jail. It's not a bad jail. Uh, I was chaplain. For those of you who don't know, I was a chaplain there when I say that. When I say I've been to jail. <laughs> That's been misunderstood before. Uh, verse 3. So basically in general, for rulers, are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good, and you will have its approval. So that's just a basic premise for us as, as believers. Just obey the law. Just do what's right. And in general, this is true. This is what's going to happen. Uh, do good, and you're not going to have to worry about it. Then he says, uh, the intent, obviously, of God. Verse 4, for the government is God's servant for your good. And even though we know our government is not perfect, that's, we have a lot of good because of our government. I mean, we do. It's amazing. Uh, and even though our criminal justice system is, I don't know what's going on with it, but it's still way better than a majority of systems throughout the world. It is. I mean, I, we all, I think a lot of people are learning that it does matter who your lawyer is. Uh, the public defender is not going to do you really well. And if you can afford a high-priced attorney, they make a difference. But still, in general, our system is, is good. It's not perfect, uh, and government does restrain evil. That's why it bothers us so much when we see government changing its standards and you know, doing the things that it's doing. But another discussion of the day. Um, again, for, God, for the government is God's servant for your good, but if you do wrong, be afraid, because it does not carry the sword for no reason. For government is God's servant and, uh, and avenger that brings wrath on the one who does wrong. Uh, some who've gotten to the debate as to whether or not a Christian should be in favor of capital punishment or not, some of them will, will turn uh, to this and say that it's the government's responsibility to carry the sword. Uh, I would agree. They believe it's the government's responsibility to put to death those who do things deserving of death. I would agree. However, it doesn't say that a government has to do it that way. And what I mean by that is, in the debate, there are some who take the stance that if the government, if, if a government has no death penalty, they're violating what God says. That's, it's not mandating that there has to be some crimes where people are put to death. It doesn't say that. Um, I don't think it's wrong to put people to death for certain crimes. Uh, an example would be uh, premeditated murder because... When you take a human life, that, that human life has, no matter who they are, whether it's a homeless person or a rich person, that's a person who's made in the image of God. Therefore, they possess, because it's been infused to them by God, dignity and value and all the rest. And so when we put a murderer to death, that is a proclamation that all life is valuable. All right, that's what that is. If a government decides that they will only put people, um, uh, they will only give out a life sentence for those and decide to no longer kill, even though I might not think that's the wisest thing, 
that's not necessarily wrong by scriptural standards. Um, so when it comes to that debate, um, I understand those who uh, are against um, capital punishment. Normally, it's because you hear the stories of those who are doing time and even those who face the death penalty and they didn't exactly get a fair trial. Now, it happened more in the past than now, but it still happens. Uh, and, I, and I understand that. Um, I'm one of those that believes that, it, that every single murder, rape, etc. case in America right now, every single person who's been found guilty, if they had a trial where, there wasn't, where they did not use any kind of DNA evidence because the testing wasn't available, that that should automatically be done. I just, I just think that would be helpful because a lot of individuals have been exonerated through that, if it's possible. Um, so there's a lot of different things we can do, a lot of freedom in there to do, the, do those things. Uh, but the government is the one who does have the authority and the right, if they choose, to punish with the sword or punish with death. Um, but again, it doesn't mean that they have to. Uh, and you're going to have Christians on both sides of that argument. Um, and so you don't want to get into the thinking, because some do this, that... If, uh, for example, some will say that if you are a believer and, and you're against capital punishment, then you're not a Christian. That, that's absurd. All right? I've also heard something else, which you have to realize is absurd, and that is this, where some people have said, if you are a Democrat, then you're not a Christian. Just so you know, that's not true. All right? You just can't say stuff like that, because it's just wrong. Um, people may be Democrats for all kinds of reasons. Um, it doesn't mean that they're necessarily for whatever the platform is. Um, so we just have to be careful when it comes to those things as Christians. Um, you know, I have family members, uh, not a lot of them, but I have family members who would be on, I guess, the more liberal side of things. A lot of people in my family are on the conservative side of things. And I do have a couple that are on the liberal side of things. I mean, I don't hate them. It's my family. I love them. And I'm convinced they're wrong, and they're probably convinced I'm wrong, and we, sometimes we have good, healthy discussions, and sometimes we have to say, well, <laughs> let's stop and have dessert <laughs> and talk about something else, all right? But we need to do that again as believers. Uh, so I, just, I really can't stress that enough because um, it, is, it seems too often, you know, people have recognized, for example, in our country, that our country is probably more divided now than ever. Well, but that also happens within the Christian community for the same reasons, and that's a problem, and that has to be fixed and addressed. And, and the way we address that immediately is to make sure that we're not part of that. Um, and uh, so if you have uh, ill feeling towards others who are believers because they express themselves differently or whatever when it comes to these issues, uh, it's important that you uh, fix that uh, just as a believer and ask the Lord to give you his strength, grace, and help if, if uh, need be because you struggle with that. Verse uh, uh, verse 4 continues, for a government is God's servant and avenger that brings wrath. So again, that is the purpose of government. Um, if you want to use the term necessary evil, I don't, know if I, I don't know if the term necessary evil is a good way to put it, but uh, it is unfortunate that that kind of thing has to be done, uh, but it does have to be done. There are some people that it doesn't matter how long you lock them away when, you, when they get out, they're not going to do good. I mean, I've met them. I know, I know people like that. It's it's, they're not pleasant. They can be nice to be around, but they cannot be trusted, period. Um, uh, and so we just need to uh, recognize that. Uh, 
So again, therefore, because God establishes government and government is there for your good, etc., uh, therefore, you must submit, not only because of wrath. So again, we don't only submit to the government because of what they might do to us, because it's a consequence of the wrong that we do, but also because of your conscience. So it's interesting, the, the word conscience, I think it appears, I think it's five times that the actual word appears in the New Testament. I'm not sure on that, but I'm pretty sure I read that. But anyway, it's interesting that there's this idea in the, in the Bible that God wants us to... Um, consider our conscience. Maybe that might even mean to develop your conscience. But what, what that's dealing with is the, is the in, internal man. Okay? The way we think and what we think is important to God. As we already know, we already know this, that God is not only concerned uh, that we obey publicly or that we obey outwardly. He wants that, but it's not only that. He is very concerned with the heart, with the mind. Um, and so you may be nice to everybody in general through all these things we've been talking about, but if internally you have, you know, wh whether it's animosity or whatever going on, remember that's a sin to God. God does not, he doesn't want, he doesn't accept that from us. That needs to be addressed and changed. He, what he wants is purity inwardly and outwardly. Remember, he's the one that told us that when it comes to adultery and murder and all those things, they come from the heart. All right? Um, remember that when people, uh, when people drink or do drugs and they feel uninhibited, okay, remember that the drug, most of the time the drugs, there's some drugs that are pretty whack, but, but most of the drugs and the alcohol, they don't make you do anything. It just reveals what's already in your heart. Okay? So if you're not... It, so let's just say, for the sake of argument, that you are not capable of murder. When you get drunk, it's, it's not going to turn you into a murderer. Okay, it's not going to do that. Now, if you are a violent person, you can get drunk and it makes it easier to be violent. Right? Easier because your ability to restrain yourself goes away. Um, even the drugs that, that can cause people to become violent, normally the violence is... Uh, they're the ones that get hurt the most. Not always. Sometimes there may be unintended uh, victims just because of how whacked out they get um, and whatnot. But, but what we need to remember is, is that that is what God is concerned about. Uh, and so he wants us to have a, a conscience. That, and I guess you would say it this way. He wants us to have a conscience we can follow. Now that is a conscience that's informed by the word of God. A conscience that is being shaped by the spirit of God. The Spirit of God uses the Word in informing the image of Christ in us. And God is concerned with that. So then, uh, even when it comes to simple commands, you know, I'm, I'm to love my brothers and sisters in Christ. So I, I am to have a, a, to love John as my brother. It matters a great deal to God if I truly love him, not just that I'm showing him love. It's good that I show him love. But God wants that to be a genuine part of who I am on the inside. So sometimes when all these different things that we've talked about, you when it comes to all this stuff with COVID and the restrictions and all the stuff that's going on, sometimes you still may not get caught up in it outwardly, but you're really fit to be tied on the inside when it comes to these things, or maybe with certain people. And that, that doesn't mean that you're okay. That needs to be addressed. You know, Lord, why am I so upset with so-and-so? Why does that bother me so much? I'm not to be that way. 
and, and those things need to be addressed because it's revealing um, what's there. That's, that's why I think that uh, sometimes the Lord allows us or, or maybe even causes us to go through times of great stress, whether it's financial pressure, maybe uh, health issues, whatever it is, but he allows those things or causes those things to happen in your life for, for pressure to build, to reveal what you, maybe you've kept hidden from yourself that you refuse to acknowledge. And that kind of rises to the surface uh, and so that you become maybe painfully aware of it. The Lord wants that because he's going to use that to shape you as an individual. So it's not just going through that time of stress and you come out better. The idea is you go through that time of stress and that's revealed and you turn to God in repentance and confess your sin and ask God to help you to grow in that area, to, to, uh, to leave that behind or, or to uh, in whatever way is necessary to work through that so that you then become more like Christ. And so that's really important. So it may even be when it comes to uh, some of the government sanctions. I'll be honest, my initial response to most things the government does is, I don't want to do that. <laughs> All right, that's just, that's how I am. I don't like it. You know, because as an American, we normally think, I'm not sure I agree with that, right? And we're told to think that way, and I, I don't think it's a wrong thing. But I just have this, this initial resistance. I just need to make sure that it's not being fed by my pride uh, or, you know, whatever the case happens to be. And so sometimes, you know, we can't always evaluate that on our own. Sometimes we need to have a, a good Christian friend to help us work through those things. That's why sometimes, maybe always, it's important for you as a Christian. You know, we don't, really have, we don't, we don't always have a lot of f close friends. But if you have three or four close friends and you all agree on everything, that's not healthy. It's got to be somebody in the group who's a contrarian. They're just, they're wonderful people. They can be irritating as all get out. But, but they're wonderful people because they help us see things in different ways. Uh, and, and so that can be healthy for us. And um, I do think that as believers, um, God uses different personalities in our lives to accomplish his, his purposes in us. And that's definitely one of them for us to become more like Christ. So again, then he ends with this, and for this reason you pay taxes, since the authorities are God's public servants, continually attending to these tasks. So uh, I know some have tried to bring this up before, People have dressed in different ways. I'm not going to get into all the details of it. Uh, but some Christians have tried to get into the arena of if our tax money is used for abortions, etc., then we're not going to pay our taxes anymore. Uh, I don't know if that's a really a biblical thing. I'm not really thought, I've not thought that through. I just pay my taxes. I don't like paying any taxes, but I pay my taxes. There are some who try to withhold saying, well, I'm only going to pay a portion because I don't think this should be used or that should be used. When you get arrested, you go to jail. Just, that, that's what's going to happen. Um, some try to, they find different ways to resist or to voice. And I, again, that's, that's all allowed in our country. I think that's great and healthy. Um, but basically, as a Christian, you pay taxes. If there are loopholes, take advantage of every single legal loophole you can. But don't do things illegally to get out of paying taxes. Just don't do that. We're, we're Christians. The people are already going to hate us enough. last thing we need is to give them a reason 
You know, the last thing we need to do, is, last thing we need to do as as a as, as a Christian is to give someone a legal reason to come after us. Um, you know, the idea in Peter is that he says when people defame you, I'm paraphrasing it generally, but basically what he says is just make sure they got to make it up. You know, if if they if they say bad things about you because you're guilty of those bad things, then and you suffer, what if, what is that? You deserve it. So at least it should be something they have to make up. They have to lie about you. Um, and, uh, and that honors the Lord, whether, even if no one else knows about it. Uh, that's the attitude that we are to have as believers. So I'm not saying that we should be pacifists. I'm not saying that we should be aggressive. Um, uh, I'm, I think there's a lot of leeway for us to, to, to go in different directions, try to find ways that we should do this. Um, I think that some of our choices will be eliminated in times to come, but that's my opinion. Um, uh, but I, I don't think I'm wrong. I think there is coming a time when it will be very, very limited. Um, I think uh, they've already done this, just again, as an example, in Austria. Um, the only people that are quarantined are the unvaccinated. So if you're, if you're vaccinated, you can do whatever you want. If you're unvaccinated, you can go to work, doctor, grocery store, home. You go anywhere else, you get arrested. Uh, that can easily, that can easily be moved or changed over to, you can, I think you can tell, it can easily become for those who are believers. It would never be said that way, at least I don't think in the beginning, but that can happen. And uh, we just have to be ready for that because there's plenty of verses in the Bible about persecution, persecution coming our way and what we should do and how we should handle it. So again, uh, pay your taxes. When it comes to tolls, pay the tolls. Uh, here's the last two. Um, respect to those you owe respect and honor to those you honor. So this was a, a topic, and I'm sure it's a topic that comes up every year whenever there's any kind of president who's unpopular, no matter who he is. Um, so whoever the president is, no matter what you think about our president now or the last president, if that individual is to come in here, and let's say you despise him, you must show honor and respect because you are a Christian, because of the office. I, I, I think that's the Christian stance. It doesn't mean I agree with anything they may have done or that I agree with everything they have done because of the office that they hold or that they held. There's a, there's a certain amount of respect and honor that goes with that. Our society has that. You know, For example, the moment a guy becomes president, he is called... Mr. President. So if the President of the States came in here, I wouldn't say, hey, Joe, how you doing? Right, that'd be wrong for me to do that. It would be Mr. President, period. Um, and uh, so we need to make sure that we do that. So when it comes to any, any official, um, whether it's a police officer or the mayor or a councilman or senator or whatever, uh, when it comes to honor, respect, as believers, we need to make sure that we show that uh, properly. That doesn't mean that we're trying to flatter people. Uh, it doesn't mean that you become ridiculous about it, but that's what you do. Um, are there exceptions to that? Yes, there are. Um, just, this doesn't affect us in this country, but I do know this happened in Japan. Uh, in Japan, after World War II, a lot of missionaries started going to Japan, and what many of them were unaware of was that uh, meeting and bowing to the emperor was actually an act of worship. Even though you bow to everyone, it's a very common greeting, 
the emperor is viewed as God, at least they were, they were viewed as God. So then, to go to a ceremony where the emperor is being honored, if you do what you think is right by following the honor and the respect thing, what you end up communicating is that you agree he is a god. And so some Christians really mess that up. Uh, and others say, well, I mean, you don't go out of your way to say he's not a god. You, know, you don't go there and start throwing vegetables at him. Uh, but maybe, maybe you don't go. Uh, but you've got to find a way to deal with that. So that's why when we're in other countries, it's very important uh, to, to, to do the best we can to find out um, those types of things so that we don't end up uh, condoning something that we would really never condone. At the same time, uh, don't just assume that, wh that whatever it is is going on is somehow not correct. We, we, you know, we need to show honor and respect, and that's just that's what Christians do. Um, so don't be a rebel without a clue. Um, make sure that we uh, have an understanding. Does anyone have any questions? Please make the questions easy if you do. <laughs> uh, and if you think I've solved no problems for you tonight, uh, that wasn't my intention. <laughs> you have to work those things through. Um, so we'll stop there uh, because um, it just there's a natural break there and we'll pick it up in verse 8 as he then begins to get into what our primary duty is. So we do have a duty to obey the government, but that's not our primary duty. As we mentioned before, he's going to begin to get into it. And uh, we'll take care of that. So let's pray. Father, as always, we're grateful. We thank you, Lord, for your kindness and, again, for your word. Father, we know we live in trying times, and we know at, at times it's also uh, very complicated um, and, and emotional also, uh, just because of all the things that are going on and how we're affected and uh, how loved ones are affected, and just, it just goes on and on. We pray, Lord, you would give us a calm spirit, help us to look to you for wisdom, to look to your word for wisdom, to not depend upon ourselves and not to depend upon our, our news sources uh, or our favorite podcast, uh, that to get information is, is not incorrect, but Father, help us to filter all of that through the word and to, to seek wisdom from you uh, and how to best deal with these issues, knowing, Lord, that sometimes the wisdom is not going to be immediate. Um, but we thank you, Father, uh, for those who, may, who, who are other believers who think well, and we pray, Lord, that you would help us to discover who they are, to help us to think through some, through some of the difficult issues. So, Father, we ask now that you, we, we have plenty for us, Father, to obey. And we ask, Lord, that you would guide and direct us, that you would lead us into uh, submission to your word first. Uh, we pray again, as I mentioned before, that, Father, you would help us to recognize opportunities you give to us, Father, to share Christ with others. Because the gospel is the great need of the world. Uh, Lord, the world is in sin and, and lost and separated from you. And the need uh, to deal with sin must be primary in every sense. So keep us safe, Father, as we go home. Again, we're thankful, and we do ask these things in Christ's name.